If you will turn in your Bibles, we're going to be over in Romans chapter 15. Last week we took, took a look at the good things will cost you. If you want something good, you do have to pay for it. And if you want something from God that is good, there is a cost to it. Not a cost as far as money is concerned, but there is a, a cost into what you will what you will do. The disciples even asked Jesus one time and said, Master, we have given up everything. And Jesus told them about the reward that they would have for that. We saw that we that you are receiving encouragement. We're looking at Solomon last week. That you can be encouraged to do evil as well as can be encouraged to do good. We have to make sure that we stay on the side of receiving the good encouragement. The things that will give us the strength, we gave you three things. Hopefully this week you were focusing on those three things. So to have the strength that you need to follow what is godly, you will need to focus on these three things. Knowing His Word, and that we said was the belt of truth. Follow His voice. Learn how to follow His voice. And learn how to learn His will, understanding His will. Those three things, they will help you greatly in your life here. But here in Romans chapter 15, I came up with this question in this area. We've been looking at how God edifies different ones. We looked at how God edified Moses and built him up for the task that was at hand. We looked at how God edified Joshua for the task that was at hand. We looked at how God edified Gideon for the task that was in front of him. And we looked at how God edified Solomon for what was in front of him as well. So here's a question for you. Can we encourage God? And if we can, is there a, what is the benefit? What is the benefit of going, of, of, uh, encouraging God? Is there something in it for us? We know that if God encourages us, it helps me in this life, it helps me in my calling, it helps me in the different things that we're doing. If God encourages us in that, is there a benefit if I encourage God and how can I do that? Now, a lot of times we think, well, just worship and praise. I'm going to show you in the Word here today there's something else you can do on a regular basis beside worship and praise that does edify God. In Romans chapter 15, verse 1, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now what he's telling you here is in the body of Christ there are some people who are strong, there are some people who are not. They're weaker. But they're in the body of Christ. Don't ever let the devil start judging you and saying you're not strong enough, you're not a Christian. He's telling you right there, there are some in the body of Christ who are strong, there are some in the body of Christ who are weak, but you're still in the body of Christ. Isn't that good? Lord, I God for that. But you can get stronger. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now, we've, we talked about this uh, section of Scripture, I guess, uh, a little over a year ago. I'm looking at this section of Scripture for another purpose than we looked at it before. And this one is for edification. But let's just take a look at these these things. You who are strong. There are some Christians, and maybe you have been involved with that, but there are some Christians who like to beat up on people in the church. Anybody ever been a recipient of that? You think just because you're in the church, everything is hunky-dory, everything is good? No, there are some people in the church who, uh, instead of bearing with the weaknesses, weaknesses that are there, they beat up on them. They make them feel poorly. They make them feel like you're no good. You're not. You got that habit all. How can you have that habit and be a Christian? How can you have that habit and be uh, God-fearing? God can't love you when you do that. That is not correct. 
And when we do that, we're not bearing with the weaknesses. We're not bearing with the people who have weaknesses. We're making them become weaker. And actually, in effect, folks, we're bullies. If you hate those movies where you got the bully out there and he's beating up on the guy who's weak, he's taking his lunch money, he's taking his lunch, he's doing the things, and making that person feel weaker and weaker and weaker. That person's not getting stronger, they're getting weaker. That's not how the body of Christ is to work. What he says is, if you are strong, then you need to get out there and bear with the, the, scrup- bear with the weaknesses. Bear with the things that are not quite up to par. Bear with them. Help them to get over them. Help them to get stronger. Don't be putting them down. Don't be yelling at them. Don't be telling them they're, they're less than whatever. Thank- thankfully, remember that parable that Jesus told about the, the, the wage? And he, he goes out to the people at 6 a.m. in the morning and he says, hey, come work for me and I'll give you a denarius. Remember that story? And then he goes out there a few hours later and he brings in some more people. Come on out and work for me. I'll pay you what's, what's um, worthwhile. I'll, 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 make it, uh, I'll pay you what's fair. Goes out a few hours later, does the same thing. And then finally at the end of the day he goes out and he gets the people and they come in they work for one hour. And so when they start to, to divvy out the rewards, he starts with the group who worked one hour and he gives them a denarius. And he goes to the next group and he gives them a denarius. And the group that had been there all day, they're thinking, oh, we're going to get paid more. And when they get there, they got a denarius and they got upset. And he says, don't you get upset at me. You got what I told you. I said when you came, you'd get a denarius and that's what you got. If I want to be generous and give the same thing to other people, that's my, my prerogative. And so we don't tell God who he can save and who he cannot. If he wants to, to, to save somebody because they got, they got in on the skin of their teeth, they got in at the last bit, they, are, they didn't get all the things done, you don't, it's not your part. As we've said before, we're in sales. He's management. Don't try and mix it up. Don't try and be management. That's God's, God's role. He's management. We're just in sales. That's it. <laughs> I don't know who told me that example, but I always... I always thought that was good. But we who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. See, a lot of times what you have is you have strong Christians that are going out there and they are out there to please themselves. To please themselves. Now, I just got to, I got to fire a question out to the back. Are we going to have that graphic, do you think? All right. Well, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and use that. Uh, I wasn't sure how many kids we're going to have here today, but um, we're going to throw some out here, be a little fun for, for the ones that... Uh, that we're here. But verse 2, let each of us please his neighbor for his good leading to edification. Look at this verse. Understand what it's saying here. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good. Please his neighbor for his good, for the things that are good. That doesn't mean that you please somebody for the things that are bad. When you see that mom at the register in the Walmart checking out and the kid's throwing a fit, doesn't mean that you please them for things that are going to be hindering them. It means you please them for their good. That's what he's talking about in that one. So let's read it all together. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Many Christians are very selfish. Paul even wrote about this. And he said, most Christians, most even leaders in the church, have a selfish motivation. They're out for something for themselves. It said you, it's very few. In fact, he said in his day, the ones he knew, it was him and Timothy were the only ones that were completely selfless. <laughs> That's the, he had some, some pretty good people in his company. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to what? Leading to edification. You can build up people 
by simply by walking in a pleasing way to them. Now, think of it this way. How many of you have gone into a, a store, supermarket, uh, mall store, specialty shop, you've been into the store, and you've had a person who waited on you, and they, they just couldn't be bothered with you? Anybody have that? Have that happen? They just, they just couldn't seem to be bothered with you. You're asking them questions about things, and they didn't really want to answer. They, Is that all? Can I, can I go now? And they're not walking in such a way as to please you, are they? Now, when they do that, do you want to bless them with business? What's your thought? I'm going to go out here and go find somebody I'm going to, who wants to spend some time with me and help me to, to make the decision that I need to make. Because you don't feel edified. Very often, when we're in a store, if when people are just helping us to feel comfortable, helping us to feel like we're in the, uh, like we're wanted in the store, then we feel a little more relaxed and we almost want to, want to buy something. We had that happen when we were over, um, oh, where was it? We were out on family vacation. And where did we go? We went to some place. I can't, oh, we were out in California. We went out there in California for the, uh, uh, seminar that was going on at, uh, Nancy Dufresne's church. And so we were out there, and after the seminar was over, we took a day and we went out to this island, this famous island that I don't know the name of. <laughs> Everybody else seemed like they knew the name of it. I didn't know the name of it. But we're out there on this famous island. We're walking through the stores. We walked into a particular store, and the reason we walked into it, you know, this is, this is when uh, masks were heavy. It's out in California. And so we walked into this particular store. All the stores had these stores up. You have to have a mask to walk in here, and, you know, we didn't want to deal with all that sort of stuff. And come upon this one store and the people the, the people that were working in the store no mask oh this is good let's go inside and so we go inside and say we don't have to have a mask to come in here oh no whatever if you want to wear one you can but you don't have to it's it's fine and they weren't wearing them and so we just walked around and they just made us feel so at home and so good and um and i just i thought inside i want to buy something <laughs> do you ever have that going i don't need anything that you got <laughs> but i just want to buy something so they had this pillow. I, every time I walk into the Bacon's household, they have the pillow out there on, their, on the bottom of their step. And um, I'm not going to tell you what it says. <laughs> Next time you're with the Bacon's house, you have to read it and see. But uh, every time I walk by that, I think of this. We just, all of us, every single one, we we got to find something to buy. <laughs> we just so appreciated the, their attitude there and the, the way that they were. And you feel edified, you feel built up. Do you know that one of the ways that you can edify and build people up is simply to walk in a pleasing way? If you go into a restaurant and you get waited on by somebody and you treat that waitress, that waiter, harshly, they don't feel built up, they don't feel encouraged, they don't feel like they want to do their job all that well. But if you walk in and you encourage them and uh, they come on by, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late with the drinks, hey, that's okay, we're, we're fine. I know you're busy. And you just speak words, you're, you're pleasing to them. Don't they feel built up? Don't they feel like, well, i got some extra time. I'm going to go back to that table because they appreciate me. <laughs> and they're going to come on out there and do that. They, they feel edified. They feel built up. That's a way that we can do it. You don't always have, that spe- have to have that special word from God. You don't need to be hearing from the Spirit of God who the Spirit of God comes upon you and He says, I'll say this to so-and-so or give them this verse. You don't always have to have that. Just walk in a way that is pleasing to people and you will find that you are edifying them. And that's what He says here in this verse 2. Let each of us Please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. Now, being thoughtful is basically what he's talking about here. Being thoughtful is a full-time position. Christians are to take up this position full-time. There are some Christians 
who take it up at no time. There are some heathens who take it up at no time. They are never thoughtful. There are some who take it up some of the time. There are some who take it up most of the time. But God has called you to be a full-time thoughtful person. This word here for please, I wrote it in your outline for you, and I also gave it to you in the Greek. And uh, we're going to pull that uh, that graphic up there. And if the kids were here, I was going to give them a little Greek lesson. My my uh, granddaughter just absolutely loves when I when I do that. This is for all you who who want to learn. This is how you say the word aresco. Everybody say that aresco, aresco. It is a alpha. That is the Greek letter A. That is not a P. That is the Greek letter Rho, which is an R. It is basically RR. That looks like what? It looks like an E. That is. It's an epsilon. They have actually two different letters for E. One is a short E, one is a long E. This doesn't look like it, but that is an S. It's called a sigma. It has a little O with a little line at the top. It is pronounced just like our S. I bet you can guess what this one is. That is a K. And this is the, you already know this one, right? If you don't know much in Greek, most people know this one. That is the omega. That is a long O. There is an O in Greek for a short O. There is a separate letter for a long O. Greek is great this way. Every letter has one pronunciation. It's not like English. And what is really nice about the Greek, if it's there, you say it. None of this uh, silent K's and all that other crazy stuff that we have in the English. Nope. There's no knives in Greek. If the K is there, you say it. <laughs> but I put this up here for you just so you can, can kind of get, get a chance to say it. A lot of times Greek scares people, but Greek is actually easier to read than English is uh, if you just learn the letters. And they actually have less letters. They have 23 letters. We have 26. And they uh, they get it right there. But it's, it's a resco. Now, they put a little definition up on there, but I don't like that definition. That's not as as good. Here's a fuller definition. I believe I left the entire thing in your outline so you can carry this with you. Aresco. Everybody say it again. Aresco. It means to please, to strive to please, to be agreeable, to accommodate oneself to the opinions, desires, and interests of others. To accommodate oneself to the opinions, desires, and interests of others. That is a key word here in this. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. In other words, not to accommodate to the opinions, the desires, and the interests of myself, but to accommodate to the opinions, desires, and interests of others. That's what he's saying here. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. Now, I want to read for you some of the places where this word is used. It's used about 17 times in the Bible. And I'm not going to read all of them to you. I just want to read some of them so you can see it. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. This is the saying when they said, hey, we've got some people in the church. They're not being, they're not being ministered to in the distribution of the monies that's going around. And we don't want to trouble the disciples. They're out there teaching the Word of God. We don't want them to slow down what they're doing for that. Let's find some people and let's go out and find some uh, seven people and we're going to put them in charge. And so Stephen was one of them and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, the Holy Spirit, Philip, and then so forth. It gives us our, our list there. 
uh, the same pleas. In other words, you had some group. If you in this group, what you've got, some people are looking at it from the widow's standpoint, and they're not getting money. Other people are looking at it from another standpoint, the disciple standpoint. Do we want them taking time to take care of this? And you probably had two or three other viewpoints in the group that that well, let's look at it from the people that aren't widows. And let's take a look at it from there. So you had all these different groups and it says that the saying pleased the multitude. In other words, it took all the opinions that were there. The opinion that was on the side of the widows. The opinions that was not on the side of the widows. The opinion that was on the side of the disciples. The opinions that were on the side that the disciples should do it all. All those people, all those opinions came together and the saying pleased them. That is what this word is. That's how that word is used. Aresco. Everybody say it. Aresco. There's a reason for me having you say this a few times. We'll hit that at the end. But this is what it's talking about. We took all those opinions and we came up with something that was agreeable to, to everyone. It's kind of like when you go out to, to lunch. If you've got a group of people that are going out to lunch, you know, if you're single and you go out to lunch, where do you go? Wherever I want. Right? It don't matter. If I want Mexican, I go to Mexican. If I want fast food, I go fast food. If I want Italian, I go Italian. No matter, wherever I want, I go. You can't have an argument with yourself about where you're going to go. But the more people that you have in the car, the more the problem comes in. No, I want... Oh, no, I don't want that. I want this. And especially, you know, the littler the people are, the smaller their diet. And the harder it is to find those things that they, they would want to do. And so you have a whole lot of opinions... And so this word Oresco would be used that if you came to the conclusion that we can all go over and you name the restaurant and everyone is saying, yeah, yeah, let's go there. That's good. And victory has been had. In Romans 8, verse 8, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God is what he's saying there. That's where our word Oresco comes in. Galatians 1.10, for do I now persuade men or God or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Now, here's the thing about this. Paul writes about pleasing people. But you've got to take the word in the setting of the, the, the word, all the teaching, and not just pull one little thing out at a time. What he is saying here is, if you walk in a way that is pleasing to people, the people that are around you, you will edify them, you will build them up. But you cannot walk in a way that is pleasing to man when it is displeasing to God. Because my first and foremost thing is to please God. But I can walk in such a way as to please the people, the neighbors that I have, the people that are around me, in such a way as to also be pleasing to God. That's the thing that we are to strive for. There are some times we can just say, I can't do that, and move on. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4 and 15, But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. In verse 15, Who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they do not please God and are contrary to all men. They don't please God. They don't try and walk in such a way as to please Him. 1 Thessalonians 4, one. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. One more, 2 Timothy 2.4 No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please Him who enlisted Him as a soldier. For any people that were involved in the military service, you know that if you are, if you have a superior 
and you come in and you're not doing what you were supposed to be doing, you are not walking in a way that will be pleasing to that superior officer and that superior officer makes sure that your life is unpleasant. Because he wants you to walk in such a way as is pleasing to them. Now, in 1 Corinthians 10.24, it tells us to let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. That's a direct teaching from the, from the Word. Don't just seek your own, but also seek the other's well-being. In 1 Corinthians 10.32, he says, Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church or God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. We're looking for the profit. We're looking for the thing. How can people, how can the majority of people be benefited? God wants us to get into His kingdom and in doing so, how can I live my life so as to help the people that are around me instead of just looking, how can I live my life to help me? That is what a Christian should be. That is what someone in the kingdom of God should be. That is what Paul constantly teaches and the Bible teaches us. So I put in your outline here, there's a couple of blanks. You didn't get too many blanks. I, I didn't give you, but I gave you these ones. When he says here, leading edification, this may be the easiest and the hardest way to edify others. This may be the easiest and the hardest way to edify others. Easiest because you don't need to be some super spirit hearing things from God in order to speak. Hardest because sometimes you just don't want to walk in such a way as to please other people. Sometimes you just don't feel like it. But if you can do that, that's an easy way to do it. Now, let's take a look at Jesus as our example here. That's what he's going to get into in Romans, verse 3 of chapter 15. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So the reproaches of those who reproached God fell on Jesus. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. It's there to teach you. It's there to teach you. For, but Christ is our example. He did not please himself. He didn't live this life to please himself. Look to Jesus as an example. He lived his life so as to help other people. So as to benefit them. So he stands as our example. Verse 5. Now, may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. May the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another. So as Jesus was, we should be like-minded to other people. Now that's going to include your kids. That's going to include your in-laws. That's going to include your spouse, your neighbor, your boss, your co-workers. Who did I leave out? If I left anybody out in your life, fill them in. Because that's what he... He wants you to be like-minded toward one another. Remember when Jesus was asked the question, who's my neighbor? And so he goes on that uh, Good Samaritan parable. Basically, we're all neighbors. So we're here to help. Walk in such a way as to be pleasing. When you walk into a restaurant, if you go to a restaurant today, walk in such a way as to be pleasing. Be nice. Be kind. There was, I think it was, um, I think it was Creflo Dollar who was telling the story. And I don't know if it's the one that I gave you. If I'm telling that story, you already heard it. But apparently, after one of the conferences of one year, 
all the ministers had gone out to eat at a restaurant. And so they were all sitting out there. And did, was it on that video teaching that I put out? It was? Okay. And you all heard that one? When they all gave that, that $500 tip? And that, see, that's how you walk in situations to bless people. Don't just respond to them the way they are responding to you. Find some people out there that have been, maybe have been a little bit nasty. And then you find a way to bless them. Find a way to help them. Find a way to do God. I've heard many a story of, of people who walked into a restaurant and the, the waitress, the waiter, didn't treat them real, real well and they left a really big tip. I remember one, one guy was telling the story. The waitress ran out after him. Sir, you made a mistake. I know you didn't mean to leave me this tip because I didn't treat you very well. And he said, oh no, I meant to leave you that, leave you that tip. I figured you were having a hard day. And I just wanted to bless you. Oh, she just cried. But he had the opportunity to minister to her then. So you open up doors for opportunity to minister to people around you if you're kind. So close those doors if you're nasty. Be pleasing to others. This is a way that you can edify and build up people. You're praying, God give me an opportunity to, pray, to edify, to build up some people. Be pleasing to them. Walk in such a way as to be nice and to be kind. So be like-minded that you may with one mind, verse 6, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Receive one another just as the way Christ received you. Did Christ receive you all cleaned up and pretty? No, He received you as a sinner. And He fixed you up, got you all cleaned up. So go on out there and receive other people that way too. Receive them. They're a sinner. They have some habits. They do some things. That's all right. Love them. Receive them. Walk in such a way as to be pleasing to them. Now, who did Jesus live to please? He, he walked around. He, he pleased. He pleased many people. People were pleased to come out to the meetings. They were pleased to have Jesus lay hands on them. They were pleased to listen to Jesus teach. He walked in such a way as to be pleasing. That's how we ought to, to go. Now, he didn't try and please everybody. He didn't try and please them Pharisees. He didn't try and ple uh, please the religious leaders. Sometimes he just stirred them up because they, they needed to be stirred up so they could change. Now, he says there, Therefore, verse 7, let's read that again. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us. That word receive is the, from the Greek word proslambano. It means to take to one side for use like food. To lead or to take aside to admit to friendship or to hospitality. So receive. If someone, if you were to go to a counter, if you were to go to a restaurant, if you were going to a place and you ordered your food and they come to the counter and they give it to you in a bag or... If you're sitting down at the table and they come and they present it to you, you receive that food. How do you receive it? Well, you unwrap it, you uh, cut it up, you eat it. That's receiving it. That's what this word is talking about as far as receiving is concerned. That type of a... To take to oneself for use. To take to oneself and use it. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us. In the same way He received us, you need to receive others. I gave you some scriptures there so if you want to see other places where that is used. We're not going to get into those here right now. 
But I want to turn you to one, one other verse of Scripture. I'm going to give you a lot of examples. I want you to see where this was. I'm just going to read the Scriptures off of one. That is, that is in Luke chapter 5. I want to take a look at some people who please Jesus. Watch this example. These are people who don't know who Jesus is, but walk in such a way as to be pleasing to Him. Verse 1, So it was, as the multitude pressed about to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Now, when we've gone over this scripture before, you remember we talked about this. What did Jesus ask him to do? Let down the nets. Plural. What did Peter say? I will let down the net not nets net Jesus said put out the nets now this story started he's washing his nets because they washed in water you got to clean that water out otherwise the nets will deteriorate and uh, that's quite an investment they have so they got to try and keep them so after you dip them into the water and you go through this pull them out now you got to clean them up and so they were out there cleaning them up if they dip them into the water, what are they going to have to do? They're going to have to clean them again. How many like to clean something after you just got done cleaning it? We don't like to do that. So that's why Peter says, I will let down the net. More than likely, it is whatever net was of uh, least value. It's kind of like, how many many guys have, or ladies have screwdrivers at home? Anybody have a screwdriver? Come on, you have multiple screwdrivers? How many have screwdrivers that are really good screwdrivers? How many have screwdrivers that are just, you know, you've had them for 30 years? If you're going to open a paint can and you don't have a paint can opener, what are you going to use? Your really, really good screwdriver or you're going to use the old one, right? Why? I don't care if anything happens to it. If you need to pry something off, screwdrivers are used all the time for prying things, but that's not their purpose. There's other, pur- there's other tools out there for prying. But if you are stuck and all you have is a screwdriver, and you're going to use one for prying, which one are you going to use? The brand new, really sharp looking one or the old one? You're going to use the old one. Guess what net he used? The oldest one, the weakest one, the one that he didn't care if we just pack up and we don't bother washing this one again. That's what we'll do. So we threw that one in. We all know how that story ended up. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Probably because they used an inferior net. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. That's a lot of fish. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which had they had taken. And so also were James and John, the son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now, let's take a look at this, not from the standpoint of the lessons we've learned before in the nets. Let's take a look at it from this. 
Jesus is trying to teach. They're pressing against him, pushing him into the water, so he gets into one of the boats. He doesn't ask to get into one of the boats. He got into one of the boats. And then he asked the owner of the boat, which is Simon, put out a little bit from the sea. And Simon did it. Was Simon walking in a way to be pleasing to Jesus? Yeah, he was. He doesn't really know Jesus. He doesn't think that Jesus really knows him. This may be the first time he even heard him teach. And he may only have stayed to hear him teach because, well, we've got to be here to clean the nets. That may be the only reason he stayed to hear him teach. But he heard him teach and he said, this guy's got something. And when Jesus turned to him and said, let out into the deep, let's go out for a catch. He said, we've toiled all day. There's not a catch out there. We haven't found a fish yet. But because you said it, I'll do it. I'll take out one net. We'll take it on out there. Just because he said it. I don't know who this guy is. Apparently he's a good teacher. He enjoyed his teaching. But I because you said it, I'm going to go out there and do it. Peter walked in a way as to be pleasing to Jesus. He didn't know Jesus. Would that edify Jesus? Would that build Jesus up? Would build us up, wouldn't it? What does Jesus do in return? Gives him the biggest catch he's ever had in his life. Wow, what a, I mean, filled up two boats and they're almost sinking from the fish that are in there. And then they forsake all to go and to, and to follow him. Because he told them, he said, follow me. And he did. That's another way to walk pleasing to God. Jesus said, follow me to other people. They didn't always follow him. But this is the way to walk pleasing to him. And Jesus gave them the opportunity to have a great business, business venture here. They also followed Jesus when he asked. He sent out the 70. Remember when he sent out the 70? I'm going to refer to some of these stories. Some of them I'll give you the references for, but you probably will remember these. He sent 70 out and he told them, cast out demons in my name. Lay hands on the sick in my name. And they went out and they did that. And then they came back and they said, wow, even the demons were subject to our name. And Jesus, yeah, this is great. He sent them out to do something. And they went out, the 70, not just the 12, the 70, and they went out and they did it. And they came back and reported to Jesus. Is that pleasing to Jesus? We'll put it to you this way. If you have kids or when you did have kids and they were growing up and you asked them to do three things during the course of the day and you get home and they did all three. And they weren't short tasks, they were longer ones. And they did all three. Is that pleasing? Yeah. If you came home and they did none of them, would that be pleasing? No. Would you want to bless them? No. But if they did all three and then even found something extra to do, oh, man, I want to bless these kids. <laughs> so there was benefit in edifying Jesus. When the twelve said, Jesus was asking them, who do men say that I am? Well, some say Elijah, some say a prophet, so forth. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he was pleased with their answer. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And so from that point on, he began to teach them differently because they could handle it, because they, they could understand it. At least he thought they could. You were the Christ. Was that walking in a way that was pleasing? When Jesus, at one point, he sent his disciples into town to set up the Passover. And he said, when you go into town, you're going to find a, a, a colt tied up, mom and the colt tied up there together. He said, uh, approached the owner and he gave him all the instructions. And so they went into town they found exactly as Jesus said. And they followed 
exactly what Jesus said. They did it. Would that be pleased? Would you be pleased with that? If, if you gave instructions for someone, you have a company, you own a business, and you gave instructions, while I'm gone, this is what I need you to do, and they followed them to a T, would you be, would you be thrilled with that? Would you be pleased? Yeah. You'd like to, to bless them people for taking care of it, for doing what they did. Now, there were those people who didn't please Jesus. Remember Peter and the famous thing? You shouldn't be teaching like this. What's Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> he was not pleased with that. In Mark chapter 9, we saw uh, the disciples that came to Jesus. Why could we not cast them out? Now, when they couldn't cast it out, Jesus came. How long did Jesus says this to him? How long will I be with you, you faithless generation? Bring them to me. He wasn't pleased because they weren't doing what he commissioned them to do. Remember when Jesus had told the disciples one time, he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And so they start whispering to each other, it's because we forgot to take bread. That's what he's saying. We forgot to take bread and he's yelling us for it. And Jesus says, wait, wait. We just got done feeding 5,000 with how many loaves? And we fed 4,000 with how many loaves? And you're concerned about how much bread we brought? Don't you get it? And then they understood it was the teaching or the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Oh, all right, now we get it. But he expected them to get it. They didn't get it. How about this scripture? Don't grieve or don't quench the Holy Spirit. Is there a blessing if we don't grieve or we don't quench the Holy Spirit? Is there good things that we walk in and, and bad things if we, if we uh, follow the wrong thing? Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, they were lying to the Holy Spirit. They brought some money. Peter said to him, is this all the money? Yep. Yep, the whole thing. Then it wasn't. They sold a parcel of land. They kept back half of it. And Peter said to him, look, it was your money. It was your land. You could sell it. You could not sell it. You could keep it. You could not keep it. But the fact that you brought it here trying to present it as being the whole thing and it's not, that's lying to the Holy Spirit. He dropped over dead. That wasn't a good thing to... The uh, Holy Spirit wasn't, wasn't too happy with that. Here's another example we just talked about recently. Zacharias, when the angel came and delivered the message, and he doubted it. Angel came and said, your wife's going to have a baby. Yeah, but she's old. She's out. She's past, we're past the time of childbirth. Bearing. We, that won't happen. Oh, yeah, it will, but because you doubted. And he, he said, you're not going to be able to talk until the baby is born. When the baby is born, you call him John. So he wrote on the tablet table, called him John. And then when he did that, he was able to talk again. But you see, he didn't walk in a way that was pleasing to God. He doubted. In Luke chapter 2, the angel came to Mary and said, Hey, you're going to have a son? She said, Well, how can this be? I haven't known a man. Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Told, holy, uh, the angel told her how it was going to happen. And so she says, Be it unto me as you have said. Be it unto me according to your word. Well, she was in faith. She, she didn't know how this could happen. Well, once he explained it to her, all right, well, I don't know how that exactly works, but fine, you go ahead and do it. And so because of that, she was, she was favored. When we walk in a way that is favorable, that is a way that is pleasing to God, there's a benefit to it. It's a good thing to do. We're, we will be helped if we do that. Now, here's one for you. King Josiah, I'm going to give you this. Second Chronicles 34 and 35. Don't turn there. I'm not going to look at it. But you may want to go on home and if you're going to spend some time reading, read these chapters here and just check this thing out. Josiah takes the throne 
of a kingdom that is sold out to idolatry. And he takes the throne and he, at a very young age, very young age, just a kid, just a boy, he reforms the kingdom and brings it back to God. He goes all through, he goes all through the land. Burn this, destroy this, tear this down. He's knocking down idols. He's burning them up. He's knocking down altars. He's, uh, high places are going, going away. He's just going through the land. And he sets up the temple. As he's fixing up the temple, they find the scrolls of Isaiah. And they start reading the scrolls of Isaiah. And Isaiah has said, oh, bad things are coming because you haven't followed God. And so then they sought off the prophets and the prophets said, yep, bad things are coming because you haven't followed God. But because you have wholeheartedly turned yourself to follow me, I won't do it in your day. And so he went on. You see, he, he continued to go on. Mom, I'm still going to go this way because this is the right way to go. And he continued to walk in a way that was pleasing the Lord until the end. Until the end. Read the end of the story. You'll find out he, he uh, went in the wrong direction. Decided to... Uh, take on a war that wasn't his war he was warned don't do it but he did it anyway and he died in the battle and then once he died Israel completely left God and then the judgment came but when he walked in a way that was pleasing to the Lord there was a benefit that was there now to please others leads to their edification if you want to edify the people that are around you if you want to edify your spouse if you want to edify your boss if you want to edify the employees that you have if you want to edify your kids, if you want to edify the people that are around you, what you need to do is walk in a way that is pleasing to them. And we all can pretty much figure out what that is. I know my, my boss doesn't like it when I do that. If a boss, I come in late every day. Does your boss mind? No, he hates it. Why do you do it? Well, I just never continue to get things together. So what happens if you changed your way and you made it so that you left 15 minutes earlier, you left whatever time earlier, and you got there early each time instead of being late, you got there early each time. You think your boss would notice? boss would probably notice. Walking in a way to please the boss or walking in such a way as to, as to do that. My son, when he was working over at, um, he was uh, working over this place, I guess it was a die cast place, I guess that's how you describe it. And he walked in a way to be pleasing to the boss. And so he would learn all the different machines that were in there. And he eventually, with, within a short period of time, I think in less than a year, he could set up each machine. In fact, he could even troubleshoot a lot of the machines. And so they could basically rotate him around to any of the places that were there. Eventually they said, look, what we need is someone who can just spot, they can just troubleshoot things. And so he was paid a higher salary than the other people that were there to sit in a room and do whatever he wanted to do and just be ready. So if one of the machines went down, he would come out and he'd fix it. Boy, that's a nice job to have, huh? He got paid more money for it. Why? Because he walked in a way that was pleasing to the boss. He found out what does the boss need me to do, what is beneficial for, for me to do as a boss, for, for the boss, and he gained favor. In fact, when he left the company, they were, uh, they were sad. They hoped that he would stay. To walk in a way that pleases others, you will, you will edify them. You will build them up. It's not always about having the right word or scripture or advice. You can just walk in such a way as to be pleasing to them and you will find that there is some edification that is there for you. 
Now, to please God leads to His edification. If I walk in such a way as to please God, it leads to His edification. I can edify, I can build up God by walking in a way that pleases Him. Now, does God need to be edified? Well, He doesn't need the edification to get motivated. How many people have something in your life that you do that you, you'll do it no matter who edifies you or who builds you up? Whatever it is. How many people, anybody like golf? Lamar's not here. They're, they're away. Lamar likes golf. You, you like golf? All right. You, do you have to be edified to be, to go play golf? No, you'll find that all on yourself? Yeah. Yeah. We go, y'all know me. I, I don't need edification to go run. I need somebody to edify me to slow down a little bit. Don't go so much and, 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 and cut back a little. I don't need edification. You, there's things in your life that you don't need edifying for. You are self-motivated on that. God does not need our edification to do his job. That's not why we edify him. I sometimes, there are some things in my life that I need edification for to get done. Because I just don't like doing them. <laughs> right? Y'all have some, some things out there? We were, we were talking about some people out there are talking about the, the, the stuff with the weed whackers and all that. And uh, I, I don't know too many people who like weed whacking. I don't like weed whacking. Don't like it. I need motivation for that. I need to get edified. Because <laughs> I know they're going out there. I'm going to have grass coat beans all over me. And it's just going to be messy and stuff flying all over. Oh, it's not going to be not going to be fun. But God doesn't need to be edified to get the job done. He's going to get the job done. He's going to do what he does as God. So what does edification do? How does it benefit us? Well, first off, how does it, how does edit, how does people walking in a way that is pleasing to me, that edifies me, what does it do in me? What kind of a change does it make? That's the first thing I set out to try and find out. If you have somebody who's, who comes along, helps you in your job, helps you in the neighborhood, helps you wherever, wherever you're at, and does things that just makes life more pleasant. They walk in such a way as to please you, to help you out. Doesn't it um, change how you feel toward them? If somebody came to you and they just did all these things that were so, they came into the restaurant and they just were overwhelming in the things that they did to help you out on at, at that table. Boy, just it just inside you say, oh, I just want to bless this person. I want to do it. If they come in and they're nasty, what happens? I'm going to give them a penny for a tip. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> it, it turns it right. So it changes or heightens how we feel toward the one who brought the edification. We become more open to that person. If you have a person who you really feel edified with, either they gave you some verbal edification, they spoke something to you, or just they're walking around in such a way as to please you, don't you become a little bit more open to them? And you can, you can talk to them a little bit more? It's just like a, what we heard from those, those waitresses, those waiters that uh, got the blessing from the people who were in the store. And they come on out and says, look, I had a really tough week. This and this. They become more open. They just begin to tell you some things. If you're kind to people, if you're thoughtful to people, if you are edifying to them, it's going to change their disposition and they'll sometimes just, just say things to you. Oh, I'll tell you. I've just been going through such a rough week. I really appreciate the way that you did that. The help that you gave me, boy, it just made me feel so much better. They open up. They open up to you. We all know that that happens to us. Don't you take their words to heart more? If you have somebody that is on your side helping you out, 
they come alongside and they, they, uh, they do things to please you. They just walk in such a way to please you. They might even speak some, some words to encourage you. But you begin to take their words to heart. Whenever they say something, you, you tune into it a little bit more. If you are at odds with them and they say something, I don't need to listen to that. Why do I need to hear them speak about that? They're, they're not no help to me. They're no help to anybody else. We kind of close ourselves up to them. So, I open my myself to them a little bit more. I look for ways to help them and to speak good for them or, or speak good of them. If you have somebody who came in and blessed you, spoke kind words to you, was edifying to you, was walked in such a way as that was pleasing to you, don't you look for ways to speak highly of them? If you have an opportunity to say something about, oh, that person, they're just such a nice person. Oh, they're such a great person to have around. Oh, I so appreciate having them around. Because you, you feel that good about them. It just kind of gushes out. If you, oh, yeah, I know the so-and-so. Oh, they're wonderful. Oh, they're great to have around. If it's the opposite, oh, yeah, yeah, I know them. <laughs> we don't have, we're not gushing with things to say. So can any of this benefit our fellowship with God? Well, does God have heightened feelings towards certain ones? Have you ever noticed in the Word of God that God has heightened feelings towards certain people? Take a, take a look at it this way. Jacob, I have loved. Esau, I have hated. Is there a difference in his feelings toward those two? A little bit, isn't it? How about... Um, how about Enoch? Did God have heightened feelings to him? God wasn't speaking the things to other people that he spoke to Enoch. And at one point he says he just walked with God and they just went over to his house. Abraham. Remember the verse of Scripture, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am going to do? But he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going down to see Sodom and Gomorrah to see if it's as bad as, it, as they say it is. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm going to do? Why doesn't he say that about everybody? Does he have any concern about the people down in Sodom and Gomorrah? Does he have any concern? Shall I hide from Lot what I'm going to do? He says about Abraham. Because Abraham knew how to walk in a way pleasing to God and that edified God. And so God looks for ways. He's got heightened feelings towards certain ones. Did he have heightened feelings towards Moses? He's... He becomes more, just the same way that you become more open to share with people. This is what happens with God. God will become more open to certain people because they walk in a way that is pleasing to Him. He becomes more open to share. That's why there are not a ton of prophets in the Old Testament. He's got certain ones that walk with Him and the more they walk with Him, the more He could share with them the more he could speak to him. Ezekiel was one of those who walks in such a way to please God that God kept increasing the things that he would speak to him. Daniel, God kept increasing the things that he would speak to him because Daniel walked in a way that was pleasing to God. The more you walk in a way that is pleasing to God, the benefit is you will hear God speak and share more things with you because you're walking in a way to please him. That's one of the benefits you have. Just the same way that you have that benefit with other people. He's going to be more open in what he shares to some 
than to others. Be one of those people that he can be open to share with. Why didn't God share all the things of Revelation to anyone else beside Paul? Why is it that he was the one who got that revelation about the church age and about the church and all the things that were coming? Why is that? Because Paul, once he made his life turn, he walked in a way to please God. And God said, this is a man we can trust with this. This is a man we can put this into. Let's give the, the understanding to him. And he did. Does he have a higher regard for the words or the presence of some? Well, I'll give you two stories in the word, word of God. Remember Jehoshaphat and Ahab? Ahab, not a good king, not a God-fearing king. Jehoshaphat, God-fearing king. They have a meeting. They're going to go out to war. And God says, if it wasn't for the presence of Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even be here. David and Saul. God had a softer spot for Saul than, or for David than he did for Saul, didn't he? Because David walked in a way that was pleasing to God. Saul didn't. Saul walked in a way that was selfish. If Would God walk in such a way? Would God operate in such a way? i got to find a way to help David. Did he do the same thing with Saul? i got to find a way to help Saul? No, Saul's been fighting God. Why am I going to do that? i got to find a way to help Jehoshaphat. I'm going to deliver Jehoshaphat out of this great army that's coming against him. Does he do the same thing to Ahab? No, the difference is how they walked. When you walk in a way that is pleasing to God, the Word of God says, when a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies are at peace with him. We talked to you about that before. It doesn't mean your enemies like you. <laughs> they're still enemies. But it means they're at peace with you. Because they realize it is better for me to be at peace with you than to be at war with you. That's all that they're, they're realizing. When you walk in such a way as to be pleasing to God, you will open up the doors for God to do all kinds of things in your life. You don't do it to get saved. You don't do it to get in with people in the church. You don't do it to get in because there are certain religious people who want you to do A, B, C, and D. You don't do it for those reasons. You do it because I want to please God. I want to please God. What can I do to please God? If you do it out of a desire to please God, you will find your motivation to get rid of whatever thing is in your mind. Well, I know God doesn't want me to do this. I'm still doing it. But I would like to get rid of it. Why? Because I, I just want to walk in a way pleasing to God. All God looks at that and says, look at that. You're not doing that to get saved because you know you already are saved. You're doing that just to walk in a way that is pleasing to me. Oh, I'll tell you what God just says. Oh, this is neat. And he gets built up. He gets edified by your actions in that way. And he's just looking around. What can we do? What can we? How can we help out? What kind of things can we speak to this person? I, I want to say some things to them. I want to open up my heart to them. I want them to hear. I want them to see. I want us to be able to show up on their behalf. We're going to open up all these kind of things to God. If you will walk in that way. Please the Lord. The only motivation that we see in the difference from these people that we're talking about is... They walked in a way to please the Lord. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. You bear with the scruples of the weak, that is one way you will be pleasing God. You come down on them, you're not pleasing God. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. If you will walk in such a way 
is to please your neighbor for his good. You will edify them, but you also edify God because you're doing what God is asking you to do. And we do what God is asking us to do, not because, well, I have to do this and I have to do that, but I do it because, God, I just want to please you. Changes things. And God gets built up, God gets encouraged, and it opens the door for God to look for the opportunities to do things for us. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we know that you are a good God. You are a God who seeks out opportunities to bless us. You're looking for those people on this earth who will walk according to your word. Just as you told David, if you will walk according to my statutes, if you will walk according to my word, I will do this. I will make an enduring house for you. I will be with you always. Father, if we just walk in such a way is to be pleasing to you. We're not here to please some religious system. We're not here to live up to a list of do's and don'ts. We're here to say, God, how do you want me to live? And we let you change us to become that way. Oh, I thank you for the work you're doing in each and every person here. You're turning us around. Things that have held us for years, decades, they can fall off there as we walk in the way that is pleasing to you. I thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts. Thank you for the work you're doing in our lives. Making us mindful of a walk that is pleasing to him. Give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, glory to God. I did see a note flash up on my screen. Bruce said that his...